Hello there. So let's continue with chapter 6. Spiritual dignity is also vanity. After I had renewed my resolve to follow the path of renunciation, my master thought I was feeling guilty. So he told me to live on a bank of the Narmada river, which flows through central India, and to practice certain austerities there. He instructed me to go to an isolated, dense forest 30 miles south of Kerigat near Omkareshwar. The river there was full of crocodiles and in the mornings and evenings several of them would lie on the sand along the river. I lived on the river bank for six months without anyone disturbing me. I had only a potter water pot, a blanket and two lion cloths. People from a village six miles distant supplied me with milk and whole wheat bread once a day. Those six months of intense physical and mental austerities were a high period in, a, in my life. One day, a party of big game hunters came by and saw me sitting in meditation on the sand in the midst of many crocodiles, some of whom were lying just a few yards away from me. The hunters took my photograph without my noticing and sent it to a newspaper. Soon, stories about me appeared in many newspapers. At that time, the Shankaracharya of Karvirpitham was searching for his successor. Shankara established four institutions in different sections of India and the fifth institution at the place where he spent his last days. The heads of these institutions are considered to be the spiritual heads of India and occupy positions analogous to that of the Pope of in the Christian tradition. He instructed a few pundits to observe my daily routine from a distance. They stayed in the village at night and watched my activities during the day. They also collected information from others about my life. After observing me for some time and carefully investigating my background, they approached me and tried to persuade me to consider becoming Shankaracharya. At that time, the Shankaracharya was Dr. Kurtkoti. Kurt a highly intellectual man and a Sanskrit scholar of high repute. He was a close friend of Tilak, an Indian leader and author of Gita Rahasya. I was taken to Dr. Kurt Koti and he took a liking to me. Then I went to my master and received his permission to accept the position. After a ceremony lasting 18 days, I was installed as a successor of Jagatguru Shankaracharya. I received thousands of telegrams from well-wishers all over the world, including messages from the Pope and other spiritual heads. It was a strange experience for me, such a startling contrast to my six months of solitude and silence. I was less than 30 years old and they gave me such a great responsibility. Dr. Kurtkoti believed in socio-religious reformation and, <clears throat> and handed over his files of valuable correspondence with other spiritual and political leaders. 
I had numerous meetings with various groups and leaders. I had a busy schedule of traveling and lecturing. And when I wasn't so engaged, people would come to see me from morning to evening and ask for my blessings. It became very difficult for me. I had no freedom. I thought, I don't get any time to meditate and do my practices. I spend my whole day blessing people. This is not good. I was not at all happy. My consigned said, you are not meant for this. Leave. So after two years, I simply ran away without any money in my pocket. One day, I had a large mansion to live in and many cars for one man to ride in. And the next, I had nothing but the clothes I was wearing. Wanting to return to the Himalayas, I boarded the third class section of a train which was headed where I wanted to go, even though I had no ticket. The people on the train must have wondered whose clothes I had stolen because I was still wearing the costly garb of Shankaracharya. When the conductor came, he forced me to get off, the, get off at the next station because I had no money and I didn't want to reveal my identity. I had never before committed such a crime as travelling without a ticket. I just bowed my head and got down, said humbly, thank you for not prosecuting me. The admirers and followers of Shankaracharya did not at all appreciate my resigning the dignity and the prestigious prestige of the position. They felt that I was forsaking my responsibilities. But I had not been happy and I never returned to that place again. When I came to my master, he said, You have seen how worldly temptations follow us, Swami? How the world wants to observe a spiritual person? Now, now nothing will affect you because you have experienced positions, institutions and renunciation. People expect a lot from their spiritual leaders. Do what you can to uplift and enlighten the people, but never forget your path. A miserable experiment. A man who knew me used to cut lawns, collect the grass and sell it for the cows and buffaloes to eat. This is how he earned his living. But he thought, Swami Rama enjoys life without doing anything. Wherever he goes, people bring flowers, spread carpets and even give him a cottage to live in. People clean and cook for him and take care of all his needs. It must be a very good to be a Swami. He said to his wife, I propose to do an experiment. For six months, I will pretend to be a Swami. She complained, But I need money. You have to look after the family. He replied, Whatever money people give me, I will turn over to you. He saved a little money, bought the proper clothes and pretended to be a Swami. For the first three days, nobody asked him if he was hungry. He felt insulted because he saw that many people were coming to me and putting fruit before me, although I was not eating it. If people bring me anything, I pass it on. In this way, I am free from any obligation. 
they are expressing their love by giving it to me and i am expressing my love by giving it to someone else after 7 days he had lost a great deal of weight and had yet to make any money at night he would quietly visit his wife she said what a foolish man you are you are earning quite a lot of money and now you're not earning anything why don't you at least go to the swami ji and ask him the secret of his success so he came to me in the garb of a swami i said swami ji please come forward he said sir i want to ask you a question privately so i asked the others others present to please wait outside he said i want to know the secrets of your success i said i am not aware that i am successful in what way do you think i am successful he said without asking for money you get money this cottage is at your disposal drivers come for you many people come and sit with you why i replied you know when i wanted such things they never they never came to me but the day i determined i didn't want them i began getting them remember this as swami vivekananda says fortune is like a flirt she will run away from you when you want her but if you are not interested in her she will come chasing you <coughs> sorry charms of the world once there was an educated young man who decided that he would become a swami he observed how swami spoke and conducted themselves on his own without treading the path or following any disciplines he set himself up as a swami with the proper attire and external behavior one day he came to my ashram at uttarakashi in the himalayas and requested if he could stay a while whenever he spoke with me his gaze would always settle on my wrist watch someone had given me an omega chronometer as a gift i didn't care whether the watch was a simple watch or an expensive item that fascinated this young man each time we talked he would bring up the watch in conversation he would say oh what a striking watch how attractive the design it must keep excellent time after 3 days of this i said young man i'm leaving for gangotri for a while would you take care of this watch for me as i picked up my blanket and sandals and waved goodbye to my guest i knew that before long my ashram would be empty of this man and my watch i was not really intending to go to gangotri i just wanted to see what would happen I returned shortly and sure enough the young man and the watch had departed in the days that followed my acquaintances asked about my missing watch i told them it was being used i was not concerned by chance 6 months later i ran into the same young man at the haridwar railway station he was so embarrassed he wanted to run away he said 
Sir, what I did was terrible. I replied, You have done nothing to me. If you think it is wrong, don't do it again. Then I noticed that he was not wearing the watch. So I asked him where it was and how it was running. He said, I have sold it. I needed the money. A short time later, the watch was with me again. The buyer was my student who recognized the watch and returned it to me. So I found the young man again and gave him the watch once more. I said, if this watch can help you, then you should have it. At first, he could not understand and accept the way I related to him. But gradually, he came to see that it is possible to have a completely different attitude towards the things of the world that he had known. This incident affected him so much that, that he later went back to an ashram that I recommended for self-discipline. And today, he is a completely transformed person. Many people are unable to face certain things in themselves. They refuse to confront these conflicts, desires and habits that they may not like in themselves but can't get rid of. They don't allow others to know their real selves and continue to put forward defenses and pretenses. With someone somewhere in some relationship, we should completely expose ourselves and not keep these embarrassing seeds repressed inside. These hidden secrets only delay our progress. We project onto others the very things we won't face. During meditation, one allows all these embarrassing thoughts and desires to come up gently where one can just observe them without becoming involved. In this way, meditation serves as an effective tool to recover and live a balanced life. Those who renounce their homes and duties still carry with them the deep-rooted samskaras, latent tendencies which derive from past experiences sown in earlier lives. It takes a long time to get free of these samskaras. It requires the constant mental ingestion of creative impressions and seeds of spirituality. This cleansing and replacement of mental content is possible if one follows a path of self-discipline. Too many modern teachers profess to teach spirituality and meditation without discipline. They may introduce sound techniques but without training the students to become disciplined. It is like sowing seeds in the soil that never tilled, that was never tilled. Self-discipline is very important in the path of spirituality. Becoming a Swami or a monk is not so important. What is important is to accept a self-disciplined life. There needs to be a bridge between life within and without. Discipline is the fountain of that bridge. People should be tempted by mere techniques but learn to cultivate discipline within themselves.
naked renunciates. On my way to Gangotri, I stayed for a month at Uttarakashi, which is deep in the Himalayas. I used to go for my morning walk two or three miles towards Thekala. Between Thekala and my residence, two completely naked sadhus lived in the two separate rooms of a small wooden house on a bank of the Ganges. They were illiterate widowers in their mid-sixties and did not have any belongings, not even a pot of water. I knew these two and they were famous, but not because of their learning and yogic wisdom. They became famous because of their outer appearance of living naked in such a cold climate. In reality, they were full of ego, anger and jealousy. They despised each other. One sunny day, as I was walking towards Tekala, I saw from a distance that they had both spread their straw in the sun to warm it. They did this once in a while to remove the moisture from it. When I approached their house, I found that they were wrestling, two naked old sadhus wrestling fiercely. I intervened and said, What is this? They stood apart and one of them said, He stepped on my straw. What he think, what he must think of himself, he thinks that he is the greatest renunciate in the world. This experience was a setback in my life. I started analyzing the path of renunciation. I realized that even after renouncing wealth, home, relatives, wife and children, one cannot easily renounce the lust of name and fame, nor can one easily purify the ego and direct his emotions towards self-realization. Cultivation of a new mind is a necessary step for enlightenment. Mere renunciation brings unhappiness and frustration. Renunciation without being aware of the purpose of life creates problems for the renunciates and for the people of the world who look for examples from them. The people of the world think that renunciates are the best examples to be followed. But I have met many householders who are far superior to renunciates. The inner condition is more important than the external way of living. In the world and yet above. On the face of it, it may seem that some Swamis in India are given whatever they need without doing any labor. But this is not so. Actually, there is a public persecution of Swamis going on all time, all the time in India. People think that a Swami is not a human being. Everyone expects him to live like a superhuman life and disturb him. People come and say, you have to speak at such and such place, you have to see me, you have to heal this person and so on. If a Swami does not live according to their expectations, they will say, what kind of a fake Swami he is. It's a common assumption in India that Swamis don't need food or sleep because they are supposed to have transcend, transcended these needs. 
because he is a renunciate a swami should not feel hunger should not have money and if it is cold he should not have a blanket people have this notion and we have to live according to it at the cost of sleep food and everything being a swami is not an easy job there is indeed constant persecution even if well intended in india whenever swamis go to the people out of sheer enthusiasm come with drums and chant continuously some days i would walk as many as 20 miles on foot and in the evening i would be very tired it was the only chance i had to rest and i would have to get up very early for meditation but the people would come and chant for several hours and if i asked them to go they would say no sir we want to chant for you i needed sleep and they wanted to chant so i learned to sleep while they chanted with the drums and everything going on around me when they close their eyes and chanting i close my eyes and sleep you have heard of what is usually called sleepwalking but there is another kind of sleepwalking of which you have not heard i learned to sleep with regard to the things which were distracting me and to walk only on my path no matter what happened i went on decide that no matter what happens you will do what you set out to do if you are determined possible distractions will still be there but you will continue on your path and remain undisturbed sankalpa determination is very important you cannot change your circumstances the world or your society to suit you but if you have strength and determination you can go through this procession of life very successfully that's it for today thanks for listening